Hey yo, welcome back to another episode of Ball with Tyler Todd. Thank you for tuning in. This past weekend, we had some new NBA series take place. Stoked to talk about those. Also, we returned to the very popular and exciting NHL playoffs, a sport that I haven't talked about in a while, NFL. There were some crazy trade news that happened recently, and I will reveal all of that and more right here on Ball with Tyler Todd. So starting off, like always, NBA playoffs Friday through Sunday. Game 6 of the Dallas LA series was a doozy. Mavericks had the upper hand and slowly lost their grip later in the game. They would go on to lose Game 6, 104-297. Series tied 3-3. Dallas still staying strong and taking the Clippers to a 7th game is no easy task. Mavericks would shoot 41.6% from the field and 32.4% from 3. Mavericks leading scorer Luka Doncic, duh, he always is, dropped 29 points, 8 rebounds, and 11 assists. The guy is on another level of production, cannot be touched, he's so good. Tim Hardaway Jr. finished with 23 points, 1 rebound. Dorian Finney-Smith finished with 11 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists. Again, KP having another slow-ass game. 7 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. I don't know if it's the system they're running or if he is just not getting enough good looks. But wow, the dude has been absent this whole series. Get this man involved. And if that's the case, but if not the case, step up your game, dude. They need you, big time. They traded for you for a reason, come on. Moving on to the Clippers, they shot a poor 29.4% from three and a good 46.8% from the field. Huge game for Kawhi Leonard. Luka Doncic said after the game about Kawhi, he destroyed us. (laughs) Pretty damn funny. Total respect from the young kid to the crafty vet. Kawhi Leonard finished with 45 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. Reggie Jackson finished with 25 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists. Paul George finished with 20 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists. Nice little double-double from him. Aside from those three, not one other Clipper was over 10 points. Oh, yikes. So the Clippers are lucky they have these three gents because it would have been bad news without them. Like, really bad. Game 7 of the series was Saturday, and unfortunately, the Mavericks would lose two straight games, knocking them out of the playoffs and losing Game 7 in a late fourth-quarter blowout fashion. Final score for Game 7, Clippers 126, the Mavericks 111. Like I said, this was by far the most exciting series of the Western Conference matchups, and this was the only series to go seven games. I got that prediction gene in my blood, I am telling you. (laughs) Back to the game, the Mavericks would not shoot well from three, 27.8% from three, solid percentage from the field, 49.5%. Luka with another huge night, 46 points, seven rebounds, and 14 assists in total. Three double-doubles in the series. One triple-double in the series. Dude had only one game scoring under 25 points in the series. And he also had three 40-plus point scoring games with the series. 44 in Game 3, 42 in Game 5, and 46 in Game 7. He is my MVP of the series, even though they weren't victorious. Dorian Finney-Smith finished with 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 2 assists. Sweet double-double from him. KP finished with 16 points, 11 rebounds, and 1 assist. Kind of did something this game. Boban Marjanovic finished with 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists. A total of 4 double-doubles for the Mavericks in this game. 
Now, that is very productive, even though they still managed to lose the game. Like, what the hell? Now, looking at the Clippers in this one, shot 46.5% from three and 50% from the field. Overall, a great night of shooting from them. Kawhi Leonard with another big night, 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. A total of three double-doubles for him in the series, only one game under 25 points scoring in the entire series, and had two 40-plus scoring games in the series. He definitely deserves MVP for this series. On the other hand, Paul George finished with 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 10 assists. Four total double-doubles for him in the series. Clippers had it made with him and Kawhi playing at such a high level in this series. Paul George also scored at least 20 points in all seven games. That is why he is in L.A., why they pay him the big bucks. He's a guaranteed 20-piece each night along with his production on the boards and in the passing lanes. What's not to like a big series from him as well? Marcus Morris Sr. finished with 23 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists. And finally, Reggie Jackson finished with 15 points, 1 rebound, and 1 assist. They had two team double-doubles, productive night from them as well. Hate to say that the Clippers are still in the playoffs and the Lakers are not, but hey, it just wasn't the Lakers' year. The Clippers advanced to the Western Conference semifinals and will face the number one seed Utah Jazz. That is going to be a big series. Now, moving on to the Eastern Conference, two new series. We will start with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Game one was Saturday. The Nets outlasted the Bucks in game one, 115 to 107. The Nets would shoot 37.5% from three and 46.9% from the field. Kevin Durant led all Nets scorers with 29 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists. Big double-double weekend, apparently, from everybody. Kyrie Irvin finished with 25 points, 5 rebounds, and 8 assists. Blake Griffin finished with 18 points, 14 rebounds, 3 assists. Joe Harris finished with 19 points, 2 rebounds, and 2 assists. James Harden played for a total of 1 minute (laughs) and got... An Uno rebound. <laughs> he exited the game with some hamstring issues. Hamstring tightness is the currently the problem, and he will probably sit out game two to rest it up. Just a precaution from them. Even if he ends up being out the entire series, they still have KD and Kyrie. Not a problem at all. Moving on to Milwaukee, they only shot 20% from three, which is so awful. And an okay, not okay, pretty good, 44.6% from the field. Giannis led all scorers with 34 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. Brooke Lopez finished with 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 1 assist. Drew Holiday finished with 17 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. Chris Middleton finished with 13 points, 13 rebounds, and 4 assists. Two team double-doubles from them. Seriously, it was a big productive weekend from a lot of different players and teams. Milwaukee had a rough game from three, but if they clean up their shooting from that distance and slow down the play of Kyrie and KD, the series is theirs. I still have the Bucs winning this series, but the Nets do take game one of the series. But overall, I think Milwaukee has the edge for sure. Last series of this segment and a brand new series at that. The Atlanta Hawks faced off against the number one seed Philadelphia 76ers this past Saturday. And let's just say I'm eating my words on this one. <laughs> the 76ers would lose game one in a close fashion, 128-124. to The Hawks shot 51.2% from the field and 42.6% from three. Good on both percentages. Another huge night from Trey Young, 35 points, two rebounds, and 10 assists. Bogdan Bogdanovich finished with 21 points, four rebounds, and five assists. John Collins finished with 21 points, 
four rebounds and two assists. Kevin Horder finished with 15 points, five rebounds, and four assists. The Hawks came out swinging, and I like it. I like it a lot. Beat up Philly. Beat up on them, please. Because I'm tired of Philly. They're annoying. 76ers would shoot 34.5% from three and 54.9% from the field. Field percentage is nuts. Shots were landing all night from them. Joel Embiid, in his return, led all scores with 39 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists. Good luck even trying to slow that guy down. Seth Curry finished with 21 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. Tobias Harris finished with 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists. Ben Simmons finished with 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 10 assists. Philly was awfully close to edging out the win, but couldn't get it done. Game 2 of the series airs today, 4.30 p.m., also, brand new Western Conference Series starts today as well. Utah, LA will face off in Game 1 tonight at 7 p.m. I'm telling you, the Western Conference Series are, ooh, they're, they're money on TV. They're going to be super juicy. <clears throat> all right, so that wraps up all NBA games for this show. Brand new series, which is nice for all the NBA playoff teams. Good, all the crappy teams have gone and the good ones are staying. Now, looking at hockey... We had a flurry of games from Friday through Sunday, 6 to be exact. Let us take a look at Friday's games. Game 2 of the Montreal Winnipeg series and in a victory for the Canadians. An awfully slow and typical game in hockey. The score was 1-0 in favor of Montreal. The only goal of the game was scored from Tyler Toffoli, former LA King. Like I have said, we miss you so much. Please come back. Montreal's goalie, Carey Price, did not give up a single goal on 30 shot attempts. Absolute G-unit. Jets obviously were not able to score, but their goalie, Connor Hellebuck, did surrender one goal, 24 shot attempts to 23 saved. Toffoli's goal was the only source of offense this game. Good defensive game from both teams. Montreal is up 2-0 in this series. Moving to Game 3 of the Colorado-Las Vegas series. It was a close one as well. Golden Knights fight back and finally take a game against the Avalanche. 3-2 the final score. Max Pacioretty finished with one goal, one point, and eight shots on goal. Dude was getting the puck at the goalie, which is nice. Marc-Andre Fleury finished with 18 saves on 20 shot attempts for a .900 save percentage. Miko Ratanen of the Avalanche finished with one goal, one point, and three shots on goal. Philip Grubauer finished with 40 saves on 43 shot attempts for a .930 save percentage. The Avalanche weren't able to hold up the Knights' offense as their total shot attempts were doubled by Las Vegas, 83 shots to Colorado's 20. Colorado is still up in the series 2-1. Moving on to Saturday's games, Game 4 of the Tampa Bay Carolina series showcased a lot of offense from both teams. Tampa Bay would win Game 4, 6-2-4. Nikita Kucherov finished with two goals, one assist, three points, and six shots on goal. Steven Stamkos finished with two goals, one assist, three points, and two shots on goal. Tough night for both goalies, but Tampa Bay's goalie, Andrew Vasilevsky, was able to outlast the Hurricanes' offense. 21 shots saved on 25 shot attempts for a .840 save percentage. Carolina's offense was led by Jacob Slavin, one goal, one assist, two points, and three shots on goal. Also had some help from Dougie Hamilton, one goal, one point, and seven shots on goal. Peter Mazik, 20 shots saved on 26 shot attempts. Tough outing from him, a .769 save percentage. Tampa Bay takes commanding 3-1 series lead. Moving back to the Boston-New York series, Islanders would take game four, tying up the series at 2-2. 
Final score of game four, four to one in favor of the Islanders. Islanders leading skater Matthew Barzal finished with one goal, one assist, two points, and three shots on goal. Semyon Varlamov, 28 shots saved on 29 shot attempts for a .966 save percentage. David Kreji of the Bruins scored the only goal for their team and had a total of three shots on goal. Tuka Rask, 30 shots saved on 32 shot attempts for a .938 save percentage. Sunday's duel of games returning to Montreal-Winnipeg. The Canadians dominated in Game 3, taking a huge 3-0 lead in the series. Final score of Game 3, 5-1. Joel Armia of the Canadians, 2 goals, 1 assist, 3 points, and 2 shots on goal. Carey Price, another big night from him, 26 shots saved on 27 shot attempts for a .963 save percentage. Jets' only goal came from Jed Lowry, who had 1 point and two shots on goal to go along with his single goal. Connor Hellbuck struggled this game, 28 shots saved on 32 shot attempts, a .875 save percentage. He was legit in Game 2, but Game 1 and Game 3, he experienced some trouble. The final NHL game to cover, Las Vegas-Colorado for Game 4. Las Vegas came out swinging and has taken two games back from the Avalanche. Series is now tied 2-2, and the Golden Knights won this one in big fashion. 5-1 the final score. Jonathan Marshallot finished with three goals, three points, and seven shots on goal. William Carlson did not score, but had three assists, three points, and three shots on goal. Three is a magic number, and obviously he had all three in every category. Another solid night from Flurry. 17 shots saved on 18 shot attempts for a .944 save percentage. Brandon Sad scored the only goal for the Avalanche to go along with two shots on goal. Philip Grubauer, 30 shots saved, 35 shot attempts. Las Vegas offense was firing all game, and Colorado struggled to keep them out of their side of the ice. But honestly, that is why the NHL playoffs are so intriguing. There are a ton of ups and downs from a lot of teams, and the worst teams can have a great night, and the best teams can have the worst nights too. So it's just it's 50-50, and it's always like going back and forth. I mean, look at that Colorado series. Colorado's up 2-0. Las Vegas took two games back for them and killed them in the last two games. Like, dude, like what? Like Las Vegas is on a tear. And then, you know, oh, that first game, Colorado, everyone thought I was going to beat them. And then Montreal's up 3-0. We could see Winnipeg come back. They're in the playoffs for a reason, and they made it to the second round for a reason. So that's why hockey's sick. But specifically in the playoffs, I think it's the dopest thing that really only, actually not, it's just them. Only NHL does it is that when the series is over, no matter the beef between players, no matter how hard they beat up on each other, all of that aside, all players line up in the final game and shake each other's hand when the series is over. They line up in the middle of the ice, and they all shake hands. What a sign of respect of two teams going at it. You would never, ever, ever see that in the NFL or NBA, and you do not see it. Dudes will walk off the field or court without even acknowledging anyone. Unbelievably soft. Charmin Ultra Soft. But speaking of football, time for that trade r- trade rumors reveal. Julio Jones, he got dealt, and not to my Chargers. The Atlanta Falcons agreed to trade star wide receiver Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. In exchange for Jones, the Titans will send a 2022 second round draft pick and a 2023 fourth round selection to the Falcons 
along with Julio. The Falcons will send a 2023 sixth-round pick to the Titans. The deal is still pending a physical via the Titans, and that was reported on Tuesday. I seriously wanted him in L.A. Oh, my gosh. Julio even came out publicly and said he wanted to go to a team that is a contender and has a QB with a big arm that can throw the deep ball. Bro, that is what we got in L.A., you weenie. Such a weenie. I'm so bummed. But good pickup for the Titans. Really good. Julio now joins an offense with the likes of Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. Yikes, bro. If any of you, any of my listeners, if you have not watched any Tennessee games before, because, I mean, Tennessee is a boring city and state, I suggest you do so this upcoming season because it's going to be crazy, okay? And now moving on from football, but bringing back another show classic, we have another edition of Teaching Tuesdays. We got to talk about our boy, Jacob DeGrom, who just reached fourth all-time in Mets history for strikeouts. In his game on Saturday against the San Diego Padres, he pitched a seven-inning shutout, allowing only three hits, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. Those 11 strikeouts would give him his 50th career game with double-digit strikeouts. Back to the record, he has now struck out 1,452 batters in his career, Before turning 33, he passed Sid Fernandez for fourth on the Mets' career strikeout list. In his nine starts this season, he has not allowed more than one run, and with the seven shutout frames posted against the Padres on Sunday, he lowered his ERA to 0.62. It is the lowest ever for a pitcher through nine starts. The guy doesn't even have a single digit in the first column. A fat zero. The dude is on an absolute tear. And it is a shame he plays for the Mets, who in his career have never given him any help whatsoever. Yes, this year, they went out and got Francisco Lindor, star shortstop, and they have, you know, Marcus Stroman, who's the second pitcher. They have Tuan Walker, Trevor May, you know, Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Dominic Smith. Okay, yes, on paper, the Mets are first in the NL East with a 29-23 record and honestly should be playing way above that record. On paper, like I just said, they're one of the best teams in baseball and arguably one of the best in the National League. Do not forget either that this division consists of Atlanta and Philly, who also have down years besides them also looking good on paper. Three teams. It is a three-team race for that division as it is in the NL West. But the NL West, the three teams are actually playing good. Not one team in the NL East has 30 wins. And on paper, they are nuts. Anyway... Aside from the team outcome from all three of those teams, specifically the Mets, DeGrom has been standout this year. Not just standout, lights out. Won't be surprised if he wins the NL Cy Young Award this year. I mean, if he keeps this up, there's no way anyone else wins it in the National League. The race is not even close. So thank you, DeGrom, for some awesome pitching this year and absolutely torching my Padres on Saturday. (laughs) All right, so that is all the time we got for today's episode. As always, my fellow ballers, thanks for listening in. I'll catch you on Friday. Later.